0: On May 20th, 2015, David Letterman will have hosted 6,028 late-night broadcasts. Now that's a TV legacy if there ever was one. It's all about Letterman on this edition of Pop Culture Confidential. I'm Kristina Jerling-Biro, and on this edition of Pop Culture Confidential, I look at the TV institution that is David Letterman as he steps away from his desk after more than three decades.
1: From New York, the greatest
2: city in the world, it's The Late Show with David Letterman!
0: It's that dry sense of humor, his mix of Midwestern guarded vibe and that New York edge that has earned him his place in comedy history. Let's take a look at some facts. In 30 years, David Letterman has had nearly 20,000 guests. Bill Murray was his first guest on the premiere of Late Night with David Letterman in 1982 on NBC. Later, when Letterman got passed over to replace his mentor Johnny Carson on NBC, that was Jay Leno who became the host of The Tonight Show, Letterman started his own 11.30 show, but over at CBS. The Late Show with David Letterman debuted on August 30th, 1993, with Bill Murray as his first guest. And now, Bill Murray will honor David Letterman as one of his last guests, along with other big stars and fans during these last few shows. A-listers like Julia Roberts, comedy legend Don Rickles, and even the POTUS himself, President Barack Obama. But before Stephen Colbert can take his place behind the Late Show desk in September, let's talk about the Letterman comedy, writing, the crazy stunts, the top 10 lists, the guests, the scandals, and the laughs and the tears that Letterman has brought to Late Night all these years. Later, I'll talk to someone who knows all the late night angles. Joe Toplin was not only a writer and head writer for Letterman on both his late night shows, he was also head writer for Leno and has written for the iconic Larry Sanders. But first, I talked to Pulitzer Prize winner Mary McNamara, TV critic at the LA Times, about the Letterman legacy and his place in popular culture. Stay tuned. This is Pop Culture Confidential. I'm so pleased to be joined by Mary McNamara, a television critic for the Los Angeles Times. And you actually just won a Pulitzer Prize this spring. Congratulations.
1: Thank you so much.
0: How would you describe um, what has made David Letterman so popular and uh, for so many years now?
1: Because he's really, really funny. <laughs> uh, I am a big fan of Letterman. He, You know, obviously he was uh, the the drier, ryer alternative to uh, Carson and then Leno. I mean, he was this kind of really unexpected host. And then here comes Letterman with his, like, kind of, you know, very laconic style with his kind of, like, almost a smirk, you know, this kind of, like, impress me. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, this very wry humor, this very wacky humor. And it, it just sort of, and it worked really well because he was able to to do it in a way that wasn't, um, it wasn't a performance, you know, it was like, he wasn't doing a character. He was, this is who he was. And he was just this very, uh, you know, kind of show me uh, Midwestern boy. I'm not going to be swept away by all of the the glamor. Um, let's, let's talk about what's really going on here. And, and it, you know, he just managed to do it year after year. And it was just a really nice, Uh, unique voice, and he was also incredibly funny himself. His, his monologues were, uh, you know, very witty and smart and, and dry and not the kind of, uh, over the top or, Jocular, You wouldn't call him jocular in the way that Jay Leno was. So it was just a really nice balance. And so for people who found like the enthusiasm, the over-the-top often enthusiasm of, of other hosts, uh, Letterman provided this really nice alternative. A, a sort of
0: cranky truth teller.
1: <laughs> cranky, curmudgeonly, yes. And as he grew older, that became even more natural. But he had it from the beginning. I mean, I remember his morning show when I was a child. My father was huge fan. It wasn't on for very long, but it was just so unexpected, you know, especially in the morning amid all of, you know, it's like, good morning, we're going to talk about all these wonderful things, and we're going to go to the mall and watch, you know, Easter be celebrated. And it's like, and here's Letterman. <laughs> He's just kind of like, you know, very, you know, jaded, but in a, uh, in not a mean way, but also just kind of like, you know, this jaundiced eye on popular culture, including his place in popular culture, which has been very interesting to watch as we go through the final weeks in which, you know, the the sort of standard panoply of A-listers coming to tell him how wonderful he is, including the president. Mm-hmm. And it, and you really do see that its it, it wasn't an act. I mean, Letterman is one of the few people I, when, you know, Obama came out, uh, what, two weeks ago and, and was applauding for Letterman, you could see he was genuinely uncomfortable with the idea that the president of the United States was applauding him. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like, so he is part of, you know, sort of the media elite, and yet he doesn't feel comfortable with the blurring of uh, importance in terms of, you know, what drives this country.
0: You were talking about Carson before. A a big piece of the Letterman history is when the talk show legend Johnny Carson retired, and most people expected Letterman to inherit that institution, The Tonight Show, but it went to Leno, which was a pretty big blow. Um, Why was he passed over?
1: He was so different from, uh, from Johnny. I mean, He had, he too was kind of aloof. He wasn't like a fan, you know, like now we have a a sort of a a tendency towards fandom in most feats, whether it's uh Jimmy Fallon or, you know, uh Ellen DeGeneres. I mean it's just this very oh you're so great and it's so wonderful and we're so happy you're here. And Carson wasn't like that. Carson took himself very seriously. He took his show very seriously. He saw it for what it was, which was uh you know, a taste making show, a you know, a vehicle to to prop uh you know emerging uh voices, uh, to make careers, to break careers. And he saw himself as a very specific kind of person, you know, a very unique kind of person. And he, you know, he he wasn't like, you know, pressing his face up against the glass and going, oh, you guys are so amazing. He he was like, now I'm going to allow you to be on The Tonight Show and we'll see what you have. And, you know, and, and Dave was a much more uh, like sort of he takes it seriously, but not that seriously. It's all kind of like this is just entertainment. Why is everybody getting so excited? And this is kind of ridiculous. I mean, there is a kind of, you know, underlying, this is kind of ridiculousness to, to Dave's uh, presentation. So I, I don't know if that's what Carson wanted, you know, for his legacy. I don't know that that's, he didn't want like sort of the more jaded uh, view. He wanted somebody who was going to, you know, see the show as this very special opportunity and celebrate the show. And he, uh, you know, very, I don't want to say arrogant, but proud, you know, that this is this big deal. And Letterman just wasn't like that. And part of his charm was like, yeah, it's a big deal, but we're just sitting here talking and let's, you know, this is kind of absurd.
0: Um, Letterman, he's weathered some heavy drama with his triple bypass, and, and he was quite comforting after 9 he, 11. He seems like a very reserved person, but would you agree that he's pretty
1: good in those honest
0: moments? Absolutely.
1: And I think, you know, when he, for me, like one of the greatest uh, moments on television is when he came out and, you know, and confessed to his affair and explained why he was confessing because he was in a position where he w- was. Potentially being blackmailed, and so he wanted to make her. And it was just such a wonderful uh, kind of model for how you. You know, we see, you know, time and time again, people having to come into the public eye and confess to bad behavior. And and it was just perfect. It was like, you know, okay, this is what happened. This is why I'm telling you. Otherwise, it's none of your business. I'm very sorry. I screwed up. I hurt my wife. I hurt the people that I work with, but I'm not going to be held hostage by this mistake. And we're, you know, we're just going to move on from here. And it's like, you know, I don't know why anybody doesn't just look at that as the complete template for how to do it because it was so perfect. And yes, he was, you know, Wonderful uh, with nine eleven because you do feel like he he's a very genuine person and he hasn't uh, you know he he is you imagine he's the same off camera as he is on camera and and that level he he always appears you know a little uncomfortable on camera which is kind of amazing considering how long he's been on camera but you do feel you know he does have like this kind of self uh, you know healthy uh, self loathing when. Something very real and uh, and disturbing happens his he you know reflected it as a person because that's what he does,
0: yeah, you were talking about the new landscape now, which is more sort of variety show, the jimmies have things going viral with Letterman stepping down is it sort of the end of an era?
1: The one thing that is you know very uh, exciting is that everybody's experimenting with everything right now in television and And it is nice to see that late night, which has been so calcified, and is still very calcified, it's still all white men, you know, doing basically the same thing, which is a monologue and then famous people, and then maybe you have famous people do things with you um, I think it is time to have things kind of shaken up again Um, and so we'll see what Colbert does
0: do you remember another a a single interview or something through the years that has really uh, made an impression on you
1: wow well there have been some I mean the Drew Barrymore moment you know
0: that was when she pulled up her shirt
1: yeah when you have when you see somebody like kind of lose control (laughs) of their own show I mean the thing about him is that he was you know you know, with other uh, hosts, there is, you know, this sense of control and that if that control gets broken, they become angry, you know, or like kind of, I mean, Letterman was like, he kind of went with it and and reacted in a very real way. (laughs) I just was so impressed with just recently when the president came out and, and his You know, and and even as, you know, other people come out, like, you know, Ray Romano was just on and was, you know, getting all teary eyed and, and you could just see that Letterman was very uh, uncomfortable taking any kind of credit for anything, you know, he, and it didn't seem fake. It didn't seem like false modesty. It seemed like, you know, you almost think that he, he would be happier just have, to have done a show up until the end and then just go, Okay, that's it.
0: <laughs> Pulled the plug. <laughs>
1: Is there one you liked the best?
0: I mean I love everything that when Rickles comes on. I think that's just oh, that yeah. in terms of funny, I think that's funny. But then all the ones that almost make you a little uncomfortable, like with Cher, Madonna, those type of things that right. those I think are so interesting because I feel that a lot of the new uh, shows they feel much more staged.
1: No, absolutely and I think that that's you just you know you just kind of put your finger on it. It's a he was not afraid to be uncomfortable. He was also not afraid to have people be uncomfortable on his show. And I think that that's what made it funny. And that's what made it, you know, such uh, something to talk about. Um, because, you know, Carson was not about to ever be uncomfortable on his show. I mean, there were moments when, you know, other people were uncomfortable and Jay was very much, you know, and, and that was his thing was like, you know, he was the, jocular uncle who maybe he would ask the hard questions. I mean, like when Hugh Grant came on or whatever, but he was there to, he was more of a comforting presence. You know, Letterman was not a comforting presence. He was not there to hold your hand. He wasn't there to, you know, make this easy for you. Uh, He wasn't challenging you or anything, but it was, it was very much like, you know, he wasn't uh, coddling. He was not a coddling host by any means. And because he, that's not what he would want for himself you know you could see he was willing to to show that he was uh just not comfortable with whatever was happening and that and that's what you know in that tension is is where a lot of humor is in between you know those kind of like awkward moments
0: is when you say that i realize how much i'll miss him
1: (laughs) i know i know
0: thank you so much for talking about them oh sure my pleasure
2: Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, the uh, top ten list tonight, this is a collection, a compilation of uh, silly uh, favorite uh, top ten entries over over the years. Number eight, changes I will make in the White House, George W. Bush. Make sure the White House library has lots of books with big print and pictures. Number five, things you don't want to hear from a guy at a bus stop. This is Will Farrell, the guy at the bus stop. Here, bussy, 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 That's bussy, right. Here, bussy, bussy,
0: bussy, And now to someone who knows the Letterman comedy very, very well. I'm very happy to speak to Mr. Joe Toplin. Joe Toplin is a Harvard alumni and multiple Emmy winner for his comedy writing. For many years, he was a writer on Late Night with David Letterman on NBC and then head writer on The Late Show with David Letterman on CBS. But Mr. Toplin may be one of the few that can say that he's also been co-head writer on The Tonight Show with Jay Leno for two years. And he's written for The Larry Sanders Show and was executive producer on the TV series Monk, and the list goes on and on. He's also taken all these experiences and written a book, Comedy Writing for Late Night TV. I'm so thrilled to speak to you. Thank you for being here, Mr. Toplin.
2: Thank you. Thank you for having me. And thank you for that uh, that detailed and, and uh, accurate introduction.
0: Oh, good. <laughs> Were you surprised to hear about Dave's retirement?
2: Not really. Uh, he, he has had such a long career and it was just only a matter of time eventually you, you can't go on forever you can't keep doing what you're doing forever cuz cuz uh, these things end and 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 people retire so the question was when was dave going to retire and I, I actually recently read an interview with him where he he talked about the the new face of of late night since jimmy fallon took over the tonight show and now there's jimmy kimmel and uh, and uh, James Corden and and Seth Meyers, There's like a whole new. Uh, and 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 Stephen Colbert will be taking over for Dave. Uh, the, basically, the the landscape has changed in late night, and and uh, the the old guard like Dave, they've gone away. Jay doesn't have the Tonight Show anymore, and 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 Jay for a, a long time was was Dave's main competitor. And Dave said in the article that it, it just it seemed like a, a different environment, and it just seemed like the right time for him to 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 leave, to retire, and and let the new flock of hosts do what they do.
0: What would you say makes Dave Letterman laugh? What's his sense of humor?
2: <laughs> well, it's a very smart sense of humor. It was fun writing for him because he appreciated a, a clever turn of phrase, uh, a, an odd combination of words, and... I like to think of myself as, as kind of a wordsmith. I, I like putting, to, putting language together in and, uh, in an interesting, entertaining way. And, uh, and he did too. Uh, so I would say that smart, uh, obviously irreverent he, he loved. And I think a lot of comedians are the same way, but he, he loved taking, taking shots at, at people and things that, that he felt deserved to be, to be joked about. And, uh, and ideally, the audience would agree with you that you're you're taking a shot at a target that that deserves to be be mocked or or made fun of. I, he was always very, it was always very important for him to do fresh comedy, comedy that that you hadn't seen before, types of comedy that were were innovative and and unexpected, and 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 that way that the show would always have something new to offer the viewer and and be entertaining.
0: How much is he involved in the writing himself?
2: He is more of an editor of the material on, on a, a bigger level or a larger uh, a plane. He's he's very uh, influential on in the writing because when we're writing, we're we're writing for Dave. We're writing material that that he will think is funny, that that he will then agree to do on the show, and and then you'll get your material on the air, and uh, you won't get fired. So. <laughs> so his his tone, his point of view, his his the outlook he has on the world, all of those influence everything that's on the show. and And really, there's very little that is on the show that that doesn't reflect uh, his his sense of what is funny. So in that respect, he's he he influences the writing quite a bit. on a on a more practical level, he what he does day to day is basically approve ideas make suggestions about ideas that we pitch him. And uh, when we actually write the script, he'll, he'll edit the copy, he'll edit the words, uh, he'll, he'll ask for something to be shortened, for example. If it's a, a taped piece, we will always go over the tape piece with him before it's aired, and, and he'll have comments about jokes that he thinks work or, or jokes that, that maybe he knows that he taped when he was out doing the piece that we didn't include. He shapes the material, he makes suggestions, But he doesn't actually sit down and write monologue jokes, for example, or or contribute jokes to the the top 10 list, which is one of the regular comedy pieces. He probably has. In fact, there are a few pieces I know that were his idea, but uh, but over the in in general, no.
0: Um, Is it true that he's very set in his ways? I've heard that he he has the same routines. He likes the procedure to be the same every day.
2: Uh, He had a certain way of doing things. But then Jay Leno did also, I think. The host having a routine makes it easier for the entire staff and crew to, to get the show out. If you know where Jay is going to be at a certain time or where Dave is going to be at a certain time, then then you know how much time you have to get ready or how much time you have to, to pitch him an idea. So they all, they all have a routine of, oh, by this time I have to be in my dressing room.
0: Well, let's go back to your beginnings here. The, the Late Show, which is that NBC show that we were talking about, ran until 19... Uh, Ninety-three. Uh, it had been on the air for just about a year when your Harvard buddy Jim Downey, who worked there, contacted you uh, about sending in a writing submission for a job there. Do you remember any of the material that you wrote?
2: I, I do, and, and uh, I think you said late show that time, but it, uh, it was. I did late it. I said
0: no, I didn't. The confusion came. Oh, <laughs>
2: see, everybody does it. It's hard to keep it straight. No, that was late night. You're late right.
0: Late night, right?
2: And uh, I, I do remember. Very clearly some of the material that was in my writing submission. And the reason I remember it clearly is because when I came into to the the writing staff of late night, my my friend from from college, Jim Downey, invited me and about four or five other writers he knew. Uh, to uh, submit material to the show because Jim knew that a bunch of writers were going to be leaving the show. Jim was going to leave. A few other writers were going to leave to, to do other things.
0: He went on to be an SNL legend.
2: Yes, absolutely. He was, was long time a writer for SNL before Dave Letterman and after Dave Letterman. Uh, just a, a, a major influence on my career and just a, a really, really funny guy. Great writer. So, so Jim felt... That if he was leaving and a lot of other writers were leaving, he didn't want Dave to, to have all these these open slots on his writing staff. So, so Jim reached out to to his friends, people he knew and, and respected the, the work that he had seen and said, what well, would you like to, to work on late night? And I said, well, yeah, I'd, I'd, uh, I'd love to. So I wrote a submission and when I was lucky enough to get hired, Dave liked the submission. I talked to him for maybe 10 minutes and had a little interview, and then he hired me. Uh, the show had to keep going, and, and writers had just left, and new writers had just come on, and uh, the show was desperate for material. So so what the, the show wound up doing is about half of my writing submission actually wound up on the air. It was actually used, oh, really? produced, and used on the show. So so I remember those jokes, <laughs> Pretty well, I did. It. Can
0: you tell me one?
2: Uh, sure. It's the first joke. <laughs> you know how you ask little children, "What's the what's your first memory?" Oh, when I was four years old, I remember. Well, this is this is what I remember as my first laugh that I ever got on television, and it was it was a laugh from a joke that I wrote in my submission. The piece was new gift items, mm-hmm. which, which was a uh, what we called wacky props. It's a uh, basically silly things that that Dave claims that you can buy in the stores. And uh, one of my wacky props was Dave stood in front of, was standing in front of a refrigerator, and uh, there was something on top of the refrigerator, but it was covered by a cloth. You couldn't tell what it was. And Dave said something like, "Everybody knows when you close the door on your refrigerator, the little light goes out. Or does it? Now you can be sure with this, the refrigerator periscope. So he takes the the cloth off the top of the refrigerator." And there's this like German U-boat periscope fastened to the top of the refrigerator. <laughs> so he swings it around. He pulls down the little handles. He looks in. He says, yep, the light's out. And then he folds the handles back. So it's a periscope that shows you the inside of the refrigerator. <laughs> you can check to make sure the little light went out.
0: So the, that's what got you the job. <laughs> well, it, on that's,
2: one, that's one of the stupid jokes. <laughs> That fooled Letterman into giving me my first <laughs> show business opportunity. And I remember I, I was actually standing inside the studio when when Dave performed the joke. I, I can see it in my mind's eye because I'm looking at looking at from the edit from the angle standing by the studio door and the audience laughed. And I thought, wow, <laughs> I, I, I wrote that. He did it and they laughed. This is this is amazing. So, yeah, that was a, a great, a great introduction to to television.
0: But that was sort of the premise of the show. It felt like it was a lot of stunts and, and, and you had total freedom, the writing staff of the um, of that of late night <laughs> um, yeah. to do sort of what you wanted. There wasn't a lot of competition back then.
2: That's absolutely true. We we never felt that we were competing against another show. Uh, I I actually forget what shows were airing opposite us at 1230, but uh, we really felt that that we had total freedom. And I I specifically remember thinking anything, any form of short comedy, like a, a joke or anything under 10 minutes, There was a way to to find a place for it on on Late Night with David Letterman.
0: After about six years, um, you decided you wanted to move out west and you wrote for for many sitcoms, you wrote for Chevy Chase, but then after a while you ended up on another late night show and that's as co-head writer for The Tonight Show with Jay Leno. Um, What was the main differences in writing routines between those two staffs?
2: So when Jay called me and said, oh, would you be interested in joining The Tonight Show? i i was thrilled and so i i joined the tonight show staff and at that point jay had had the tonight show for about a year and a half and dave had been on the air at cbs doing the Late show for maybe six months so for the first time dave and jay were competing head to head and dave came on very strong he he his ratings were were very high he made a made a big splash. He made a big impression with the the critics. He aired a lot of uh, remote pieces that were hilarious. And, and so that Tonight Show was taking some, some serious hits critically and in the ratings, but I've, I've always admired Jay. I've admired uh, his, his sense of humor and his, uh, he's just hilarious and he's such a hard worker. So when I got there, the, the great part, one of the great parts of, of being there at the Tonight Show at the time was—they were very open to to ideas.
0: Because this was right in the middle of that big feud we've all read about, where—or not the feud, but where um, Letterman had been passed over by Carson, and and this had given to Les So this was like bubbling all over the place.
2: Correct. Yes. Uh, Letterman had been passed over. He said, "Okay, then I'm going to get my own 11:30 show over at CBS." And they were thrilled to have him. Did you would...
0: feel that tension in the writer's room that um, that you were working with this whole drama behind you?
2: Uh, on the, when I got to The Tonight Show, there was a very clear sense that that the show uh, could be doing better in the ratings. And and maybe the comedy could have been uh, sharper and there could be more of it. And, and it was directly due to, to Dave doing so well at CBS. So, yeah, we were very, very aware of that. It, it was like a little chess game. It was like, okay, what can we do on the Tonight Show? That uh, what comedy can we do that Jay will be good at? That he'll enjoy? That the audience will like? And and hopefully that'll start making a dent in in the ratings and and we'll start to to close the gap.
0: What makes Leno laugh? What was what's his sense of humor?
2: So his, his sensibility is it's a very broad what will make a large audience laugh kind broader of broader
0: than Dave's, I guess.
2: Yes. Uh, it's interesting that Jay and Dave have different approaches to the monologue in terms of cue cards. When Jay has a joke on, a, on cue cards for the monologue, he, he has worked over, he and, and his writers have worked over the wording so that every word is exactly where he wants it and the entire joke is, is printed on the cue card. Uh, Dave, on the other hand, will, will work on the joke, we will get it to where he wants. But on Dave's cue cards, it's really more bullet points. Just the key elements of the joke are listed. I think the idea is that, that when Dave reads the joke off the cue cards, it'll be a little more conversational. Uh, so basically, the bottom line for Jay is if the audience is laughing, it works. And he was willing to try anything that he thought had a good chance of making the audience laugh. At the time, he would Jay would do things like we started doing one of the the... The categories of comedy pieces that I introduced on the Tonight Show was was the, the characters, was characters who could deliver jokes, like uh, Jay's predecessor Johnny Carson used to have uh, the, the character Karnak the Magnificent, uh, Floyd R Turbo, and these were what I call joke delivery characters. They're they're characters where the the host portrays a character and delivers a series of jokes. Dave, on the other hand, would probably not do that sort of thing. He wouldn't uh, he wouldn't put on a wig. Uh, he, he wouldn't, uh, he, he never liked to do characters.
0: After this, um, you actually went back to Dave, to the later, you're like a spy between the two, <laughs> running back between both of them. Um, you're now head writer at the later, the one CBS, this iteration that is now, what was the difference between the first time around with Dave? Was this a, a bigger show? Could you feel, um, um, a different type of writing or did you have to, um.
2: I think the big difference was Dave wasn't doing as many of the sort of pieces he did when he was uh, at NBC at 1230.
0: And at this point, you're a head writer for these years. Um, um, what, how was your role different?
2: When, when you're a head writer, there's, it, it's a lot more of a, it's not only making creative suggestions and suggesting different creative directions to take the comedy in, but it's much more of a management job. These shows are they're like little comedy factories, and it's not enough to just write the the jokes. You have to make sure the the comedy is produced and say the the graphics department doesn't have too much work because otherwise they're not going to get the comedy done in time. Uh, if the prop department hasn't done a, a wacky props piece in a while, a head writer has to be able to say, huh, I, we like wacky prop pieces, the, the prop department isn't working on, on a major project right now, let's have the writers write a wacky prop piece. And then in a few days we can give those approved uh, jokes to the prop department, and then two weeks after that we'll have a nice fully produced comedy piece.
0: How do you think Dave's going to handle retirement?
2: <laughs> well, I, th- I think he'll be fine. I think he will really miss being in front of the camera. He said several times that uh, his favorite part of the day is that one hour when the, the camera's on and he's in front of an audience.
0: You don't think he'll be back doing something else really soon?
2: I think he will. I don't know how soon, but I think CBS has to be thinking of how how can we still work with Dave and, and keep his, his talent on the network and at the same time, do it in a way that isn't five days a week, week in and week out, which is, which is such a a tough schedule. So, so yeah. Uh, in, in fact, I just read that he might, uh, Dave might be open to the idea of doing a, maybe a once a week, Sunday morning show, something like that, where, where he still gets to to talk to his audience and, and enjoy being on camera but it isn't quite the, the same crushing schedule because he does have a family and it's uh, it, it, I think he is going to appreciate having more time to spend with them.
0: American celebrities never really retire. They say they're going to retire but they don't. <laughs> they keep they, they keep they work until they just die in front of the
2: camera. It's interesting you should say that. I think for the most part you're correct. But I think Johnny Carson was pretty well known uh, after true. he after he left the Tonight Show. He didn't he didn't do any specials. He didn't host anything.
0: He really that's true that he really wasn't an an but that was, a, it was sort of an odd bird there. Yeah, uh, uh,
2: on the on the other side of the coin is is someone like uh, the late uh, Joan Rivers, who who just loved to work and and just couldn't conceive of a future that didn't involve performing and, and being on camera and. Uh, uh, would would never voluntarily just just retire, I don't think. Or, or death.
0: And what about you, Joe? What are you doing now? New book?
2: Possibly a new book. Right now, I, I have a new idea for a TV show in the in the comedy area that I'm I'm pitching pitching uh, the pitching season isn't quite here yet. The, the networks are, are kind of involved in upfronts and, and uh, that, that sort of thing. But uh, I have been pitching it and I will continue pitching it. I'm working with a producer. Uh, which I'm, I think it's a great idea. It's in the the ballpark of things I've done before, but it's I think it's fresh and and a different spin on it.
0: Well, won't you let us know when things start moving, so we can talk to you again? Um, oh, I would love to. That would be so much fun. You, thank and you. thank you so much for taking your time, Joe. This was really really fun and and to get uh, behind you. the scenes of this sort of legacy show that's now ending. Thank you,
2: Christina. Thank I you for talking to me.
0: And thank you to all my guests. So Letterman's last show airs on May 20th. Don't miss that. And thank you to all the listeners and the subscribers and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. This show is edited by Tom Hansen, sound engineering to Masio, music by Carl Borg. The show is produced by René Wittestedt and myself. I'm Christina jerling Biro. Until next time.